continue. You guys ready for some uh, some word? I'll tell you, today I get to talk about worship. So this is like one of the easiest topics there is for me. As some of you know, that was I was saved during a, a worship experience, and I was a worship leader for a long time. And we're going to continue in our series, Activate. And the, the title of it really today is that worship changes everything. And that's the, the, the kind of, well, mantra is kind of a bad word, I guess, to use. And there, uh, the the slogan or the saying or the the thing that if you don't get anything else out of today, I really want you to get out today. Just remind each other, husbands and wives, that that worship changes everything. And we talk about activate. We're really talking about to set in motion, to propel, or to compel, to mobilize energize or excite, and and we've been using this thing that basically we want to go from being active disciples to being activated disciples, and for some people, I know you're saying like, well, what does that mean? Isn't it really the same thing? And I want to say, no, it's not, that basically we're saying we want to be activated. It means basically that we are woke, that, that we go throughout the day and we know and can see and we are looking for God's working in our day-to-day lives, every circumstance that we have, and we embrace the opportunity to join God in whatever he's doing, that we don't try to do these things and, and join God on our own power, but that we look for the power that comes from on high. And then when we face challenges, we don't shy away and, and shut down when, when obstacles come our way, but we actually actually uh, embrace them and and the the life that is ours in Jesus to be overcomers in him so this is really what it means to go from active to activate it. And we've been mentioning throughout this whole series about Paul and Silas and this reputation that they had in the areas in which they went, that they were the two guys that were turning the world upside down. So today, we're actually going to do something kind of cool. Like, we're going to study and, and look at why did these guys have this reputation? What were the events? What did they do? And, and when this is when they came into Thessalonica, the Jewish leaders there said, whoa, 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 these are the guys that are turning the world upside down. So why were they saying that? And I want to say we're just going to back up one chapter. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Acts 16 quite a, a bit today. It's probably a story that, that some of you have heard uh, before, but we can see that the, the street cred that these guys have comes from what happened in Philippi on a mission trip, the first mission trip that they took into Philippi. And we're going to see that this reputation came out of the fact that Paul and Silas were worshipers, and when they worshiped, everything changed. Some breakthroughs that we have in life are going to come because you exercised great faith. Some breakthroughs are going to come because you repented, you turned, uh, you, you turned from a, a mistake or you, you turned from sin. Some of it's going to be because you were generous. Some of it's going to be because you obeyed. Some of the breakthroughs in life you're going to have is because you made the decision to extend forgiveness to someone. But I want to tell you this, there are going to be some breakthroughs that that come in our lives that are only going to come through our praise and our worship. Worship is our highest value at New Song. If you were a visitor here today, you probably caught uh, maybe a glimpse of that, but but I want to show our value, and and maybe you guys can read with me, but it says right here that, uh, go ahead and read with me, our love for God 
is the fuel for everything we do. We seek to honestly love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. All of our other values flow from this value. So if people want to say, why did you guys do that? And that if the top of the... Uh, the, the top reason is we do that because we love God. Why do you guys have hunger? We, we love God. Why do you guys want to build into people? Because we love God. Why, why do you guys want to worship so hard and, and, and go for so long? Because we want to love on God. And we make no uh, qualms about it, but this is our highest value. And I want to tell you that something, you experienced it this morning, something profound happens to us when we pour it out Onto God. I want to tell you that we can, there's a lot of things that can define us. We think our, our bumper stickers and the, and the Christian fish on our business cards are going to be the thing that defines us. But I want to tell you, it is our worship of uh, Yahweh. It is our worship that, that sets us apart. It's our worship that defines us first and foremost. Hebrews 13, 15 says, therefore, let us offer through Jesus, and that's an important part. You might circle that. Let us offer through Jesus a continual, that's another great word to circle in this verse, continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And if we look back and, and, and take a peek at, at Paul and Silas' story, is basically they're in the, the city of uh, Philippi, and there is a girl in the city there, and she is a victim of human trafficking. Now, not in a, a, a sexual way, but, but she can tell fortunes, and she is being pimped. There are some people that are making a lot of money about her, on her ability to tell Fortunes, And when Paul and Silas comes into town, she stops and she starts following them everywhere, everywhere they go. And not only that, is that they, she is shouting at the top of her voice the whole entire time. And it's not a bad thing, but he was singing this. These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. And I thought, man, if I was an evangelist and I just had kind of a ringer sitting around town that was telling people that, I would be pretty happy. But, but, but that wasn't the way it went. These, this, 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 this person was so driven, I mean, everywhere they went, if they tried to have a private prayer meeting, it was like, these men are men from God and they have come to tell you how to be saved, like over and over, just like hassling these guys almost. They would try to have a meeting, just, you know, share the gospel with somebody, two-on-two prayer meeting. No, this lady, she is this girl is there and she is shouting at the top of her voice these men are here from God and they have come to tell you how to be saved and eventually Paul and Silas have just had enough you can see like in some cases that might be pretty good but if somebody was standing sitting right there the whole time we're trying to worship and talk and do home group announcements can you imagine if somebody's here the whole time it's like kind of a right thing to say but it would be kind of annoying and they decide to shut her down. And what they do is they end up casting a demon out of this girl. And when they cast the demon out, all of a sudden, they also cast out the girl's ability to tell fortunes. But what they found out, what this story tells us, it was actually the demons that were telling fortunes. Made me think. 
should we really be checking and stopping by the psychic? It was the demons. It was the demons that were telling their fortunes. But now, the fact is, is this, this girl has no value and, and her pimps, so to speak, get completely enraged and they accuse Paul and Silas of, of civil disobedience and causing civil unrest. They accuse him of, of anarchy and being lawbreakers. All of these trumped up charges and they are drugged before the authorities. They are stripped and they are beaten with rods. It's kind of that, that, that saying that goes that, that no good deed goes unpunished. You guys ever had those kind of days where you're just like, I was just helping. I was just trying to do some good. But I want to tell you, every time we, we move out and we, we try, try to help, that we can expect some sort of, uh, some, some sort of, of pushback. Acts 16, 23 and 24 Picks it up here. They were severely beaten and they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. And, and we have to know that whenever we're going to be set free, you know, that, that not everybody is going to be happy with it. You know, that other people have a, a plan and an agenda for your life. Even people that love you, they want you to do certain things. The state of North Carolina, they have an agenda. You're going to pay your taxes. You're going to obey the city of Huntersville or Cornelius. You're going to obey the laws. They have an expectation. They have a plan and an agenda. And I'm not saying everyone is, is, is off, but I tell you, not every agenda is pure. In your life, like, and maybe there's, and when you try to get somebody else free once you've been set free, you can really expect the pushback because what you're going to find is that the person you're trying to set free with the gospel of Jesus Christ, that there's other people around them that are trying to get them to do some things, and it may not be that they're pimping them, but they still want to control them. They still want something out of them. And the, the freedom that comes with the gospel of Jesus Christ is a direct threat. A direct threat to that. And basically, the enemy, when Paul and, and, and Silas here are, are in Philippi, the enemy is trying to sh shut down the plans and the purposes of God. And they are placed into a dungeon where no lights exist. Like, you have to get this thing out of our mind as far as like these federal penitentiaries and, and kind of what they had, this was a stinking hole. There was no bathrooms. There was no light. The only uh, break you had during the day is if the prison guards needed a little bit of exercise, they would come down and they would torture you. The stocks that are on their feet, we can think, you know, like, hey, maybe these are those home arrest little kind of uh, bands that are that kind of fit on there and nobody ever knows that you got them. No, they were put into stocks. These aren't even just shackles. These are stocks. These are huge pieces of lumber in which they have one half here and you put your legs in, they put the other half and they lock it down. And a lot of times that piece of lumber, that stock would weigh just as much as you have. So they're, they're, they're bound from, from moving forward. 
And I want to tell you that their, their circumstances had them contained, but their worship couldn't be contained. Their circumstances had them contained, but their worship couldn't be contained. In the next verse, 1625, it says, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. I want to tell you that these guys talk about bad circumstances. These guys are in among a group of people with some very, very dark stories. They are in the very, very darkest place of all of town, in the darkest place of the darkest place. And during the very darkest part of the night, at midnight, they begin to worship their God. And we have to be reminded this morning, and this story is here, this account is here to show us that no matter how dark your circumstances are, no matter how contained or dark, they cannot shut down your worship. It cannot be contained. And it says, verse 26, Rick was talking about the earthquake. Suddenly there was a, a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Now what's the most important word in this verse? Suddenly. Suddenly is the most important word in this whole entire verse. So go ahead and, and, and read it because suddenly is like, well, the thing that wasn't expected or when it seemed like it was out of nowhere, the thing that nobody would have ever thought of happening, God was working and God was exacting it even in that moment. So it, it didn't happen before they were worshiping. It didn't happen after, but it was a, the moment that they were worshiping. And I want to tell you, when we worship and pray, I want to tell you that a suddenly is on the way. Suddenly is on the way, the moment we begin to praise and to worship. And in scriptures, here's what I noticed about, about scriptures, about the, the suddenlies that came in. When we looked at it, it was always the suddenlies happened for the people that were seeking God with their whole hearts. The suddenlies came when people were praying. The suddenlies came when they were worshiping and they were trusting in God apart from anything else. And it's those people in which the suddenlies of life came. I mean, the, the suddenlies of God came. Let's, let's face it, I want to expose kind of our, our methods a, a little bit. Paul and Silas were not going to be smart enough to outwit the jailers and be set free. Barney Fife was not working at the jail. They weren't going to use some sort of mind control on these, on these guards. In fact, if, if you were a, a Roman guard and your prisoner escaped, You were done. In fact, for Paul and Silas, when they were being placed into the dungeon, they even gave them a reminder to the guards, remember, I mean, they already knew they were going to be facing execution, but he said, remember, put these guys in and don't let them escape. He's like, they were reiterating it, like if anybody else gets out, you may take a bribe, you may do all that, but for these guys, you just better not. You might take a million dollars to get them out, you're going to be a millionaire for like half a day. 
And as soon as they find out the prisoners are gone, you are finished. So they weren't going to outsmart these guys, and they weren't going to start doing enough push-ups and get swole, you know, use their stocks and hit the exercise yard and and pump for six hours a day. They were not going to get big enough and strong enough where they were going to be overpowering anybody. But their worship changed everything. And as a result of their worship, what we're going to see is that everyone around them was set free. Did you guys catch that part in the, 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 the account? It's, it's, it's very, very important for us to get. Not only were Paul and Silas set free, but everybody in the environment, everybody around them, and sometimes we can seek the breakthroughs that we need because we're in a tough spot, but I want to tell you that your breakthrough is not for you alone. Your breakthrough is about the salvation of the world. The plans and purposes of God for the world are revealed in in our breakthrough. Not just the plans and purposes that he has for us. And everybody was set free. Verse 27 through 30, the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. I imagine he's figuring like, you know, at least I won't suffer this way or I don't know what these guys might do to me because I had the strict orders and I don't want them to do whatever they're gonna do to me. But Paul shouted him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. You, you see that even when, when God was moving and the people could have really made it tough for the, these guards, by, by taking off, they don't. They're like so filled with the Spirit. They're so in awe of a move of God that they just, they, just by nature, they're, they're, they want to do the right thing. Right? This is the effect of the, the praise and worship of two people in, in this area, in this, in this building. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and and said and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Sometimes we can think that that evangelism or changing lives that change the world, that is for those that have the gift of gab or those that that went to the Billy Graham school of of evangelism or or have a four spiritual laws track, I want to tell you that changing lives that change the world is is for worshipers. It's our worship that brings about. Like he didn't have to twist. He didn't have to ask him any, any questions. All he had to do was worship and God moved and he says, what do I have to do to be saved? That's the result of our, our praise and our worship. That's why it, it's so important. There was a, a young there was a young woman that was coming her, here. Her name was Lizzie and, and really she just started coming because her friends uh, started coming, and she was just kind of hanging out. But eventually, she saw that the, the passion was so deep that 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 the people there that they were absolutely they absolutely believed in God and they believed in His goodness, and they were recounting all the stories just like we did this morning of His goodness and His faithfulness to us and His 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 nature and His character and all of His acts and making them famous. And she finally said, "You know what, God, I, there you're real to these people. I can't feel this. If if you are real, I need you to show me personally." And she said, as soon as she said that, that she 
she felt a, a hand on her shoulder. And she looked around, and there was no one there holding her hands. And I want to tell you that in that moment, she gave her life to Jesus Christ. And there wasn't a gospel message. It wasn't that we had an in-altar call or anything else in the movie. It was just because people were going hard. They were pouring it out. And we have to watch it. Sometimes we have that first half hour. You know what? That first half hour it may be the time where I do my socializing or I finalize my coffee or if I'm a little late, what does it matter? Because it's just worship. I want to tell you that that half hour is the most important half hour that we have when we come together. It's the, it's the 30 minutes or 35 minutes or whatever it is that we get to minister to God. Like we can be, we come here to get to receive from each other and be built up. But something profound happens to us when we pour ourselves out to him. Worship changes our environment. i got three points I'm going to end with here. Worship changes our environment. In Psalm 22, 3, it says, uh, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Or some of it might have, he it dwells in the praises of Israel. His people, this word enthroned actually means inhabits. I want to tell you that God chose to, uh, to dwell close to us uh, when, when we worship. He lives there. He is seeking out uh, those that will worship him in spirit and truth, and that's where he wants to dwell. Worship changes our mind. I want to tell you this. The best thought that you can ever have in this life is that God is worthy of praise. You're going to have a lot of thoughts. You're going to probably have thousands of thoughts today. And then I don't know how many hundreds of millions or billions or trillions of thoughts you're going to have in your lifetime. But the purest, truest thought that you are ever going to hold up in here in your grill is going to be that God is worthy of our praise. He deserves our loyalty. He deserves our devotion. He deserves our love. He deserves our accolades. Revelation 4.11 says this, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. In this selfie-focused world, I want to tell you that worship is the antidote. Worship gets keeps us from navel-gazing. You guys know what navel-gazing is? Woe is me. Oh, why am I so, why, why, did, why does God always get them blessed and, and you know, just kind of looking down self, so focused on self? Worship is how we do it. Worship sets our mind and our, our thoughts and gives us the view from on high. And finally, worship changes our hearts. Psalm 86, 12 says this, With all of my heart, I will praise you. O Lord my God, I will give glory to your name forever. Now, when I first read this, I would always kind of read it, and I was making a mistake. I didn't know it. It still worked. It was still okay. But when I read this, I will praise you. He wasn't talking about, the psalmist is not talking about, at some future point in time, I am going to sing a song. 
He is saying, I am making a choice. Worship is an act of my will, and I choose to align my life with your truth. I, 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 I come and, and I choose to surrender to your ways and follow you. I acknowledge that, 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 that you are supreme, that I defer to your rule and reign. It's a choice of this, and, and worship is not... It, sometimes it's about changing circumstance. I mean, I guess that's kind of the point of the message today. But worship is a, a lot more about changing us as well. Worship changes everything. And I want to close today uh, in this thing. I saw a T-shirt one time at a conference. I thought it was so funny. And on the back of this T-shirt, it said, Yesterday, I got drunk. Played some loud music, sang, and danced. And then at the bottom it says, and how was your Sunday? All right, Ephesians 5.18. We're going to end with worship. But let's read this 5.18, 19 and 20. It says this, don't be drunk with wine because that'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. And make music to the Lord in your heart. So isn't that great that you don't have to carry a tune in a bucket? You just have to carry it in your heart that there's no, there's no barrier. We have some great worship leaders up here, yeah. But we could all make a melody in our hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 